everybody. This is the first podcast that I have ever recorded, my inaugural podcast. My name is Dan Manson. Um, if you knew me from growing up, you would call me Daniel Manson. Um, somewhere along the way, I became Dan, part of my work name. I don't know how that happens sometimes. People, people do that. Um, I wanted to make this podcast because I just came out with a book and I will reference the book in the podcast and my vision for why I wrote the book and what I'm trying to do. My career is substance abuse treatment and helping people recover from drug and alcohol addiction. Um, but my message is broader than that. Um, I believe I can help people who are struggling with addiction, certainly, but also try to speak to a broader group of people. Okay, so throughout this podcast, I'm going to go over some things that are important to me and what I think are important to people getting better generally, whether it's from addiction or from anything that they could be struggling with. So my background a little bit, I've worked in the substance abuse treatment industry for 26 years. I've been a counselor, I've been a case manager, and I have been an administrator of treatment programs. Um, so for, since about 2003, I've been running rehabs in California and um, been running uh, teams of people who are, who are treating people and um, multiple facilities, inpatient, outpatient, detox, sort of the whole thing. And um, you know, lately I, I have not interacted personally with a client in many, many years, uh, but I work with the people who interact with the clients. And that has been an interesting transition, but uh, that is where I'm most comfortable. I enjoy business, running business, and um, my goal is to, you know, grow a company that can help many, many more people. Uh, interesting story that I'll get into more about Elevate down the road is that um, we have a unique program. It's different. Uh, it's not your typical 12-step type approach. Uh, we... Um, look at things a little bit differently. And that will be what I talk about throughout this podcast mostly. And um, my purpose really is, I, I, I took a note here. I said, well, why am I doing this? And I said, we need to take people who are victims and slaves to these drugs and alcohol and pull them out of it and help them remember how powerful and strong they are. And then I took a look at a broader picture if people cease to become victims, then our country would be stronger. If people can have faith in themselves and become better people, stronger in their own lives and communities, work hard, develop themselves, we will have done a great thing for the country. And so what I mean by that is that it's not just about using drugs or alcohol or not. And if you listen to my book or you, you read my book, you will know that I really don't have a moral issue when it comes to drugs. In other words, if someone wants to drink, okay, I don't care. Who am I to judge them? If someone wants to smoke weed or, I don't know, do cocaine, like it doesn't matter to me. <clears throat> I'm not trying to be the morality police. I'm not trying to tell people what to do with their lives. I'm not trying to do any of those things that a lot of times people think about when they think about, you know, drug rehab or just say no, or these kinds of things. In my mind, people can do whatever they want, but sometimes people lose themselves. Sometimes people become a slave. We know that drugs and alcohol can be addictive. Um, I personally, I don't think I was ever addicted. I've done plenty of drugs in, in, in my life. 
And I don't think I was ever really addicted. And I do believe that some people do have a, I don't know if it's a gene, you know, genetics, or it's, uh, you know, something from their childhood, what they witnessed or whatever it is. I don't really know. But I know that some people can drink and keep it together and will go their whole lives and probably never have a problem. And some people can't. And, you know, just like some people can work out and keep a fitness regimen and look healthy their whole lives. And some people struggle with that their whole lives, right? Everybody is different. So my message is not to judge anybody for what they choose to do, but to alleviate their suffering if they are trapped. If they have become the victim of a substance or of a behavior or of something that is not serving them, that's what I want to try to do, help them out of that. So when I talk about addiction, you know, this message could be broader. There are people who have behavioral health issues. They may have eating disorders. They may be have anxiety or depression, or they may cut themselves or they may be suicidal or, you know, so I think all of these principles can apply to any suffering, which is my goal. And, and I, you know, society likes to compartmentalize things. Oh, well, do you have a drug addiction or do you have an alcohol addiction? Do you have opioid use disorder or, you know, cocaine use disorder? And it's like, whatever, it doesn't matter. They're struggling that, you know, that's the overall thing. Something's going on. We need to fix it. And so I want to take a broader approach, step back, no judgment. Again, I'm not the morality police. I love that line. You are free to do what you want. But if your actions are affecting people, like you get behind the wheel drunk and you run over people, that is a problem. Okay. So personal choices up to you start to hurt other people. It's a problem. So that's sort of where I draw the line. And I think that's pretty reasonable that, well, you know, what most people would agree with these days. So I also wrote that I believe that those who can be saved are worth saving, even though it is a numbers game. And when I say saving, I don't mean saving like religious, I mean, saving from their struggles from, from addiction, right? And, you know, if you haven't done this type of work before, it can be daunting. It is a numbers game. What does that mean? It means that of the people that you treat, not everyone will make it. In, in, in fact, you know, in, may, in many programs, a majority, almost 100% will not make it. You know, at Elevate, you know, a, a much higher percentage will make it, but still not everyone will. Some may need to come back for treatment again. Some may continue to struggle. Some may overdose and die after you've, they've come to your program, even multiple times, right? It's just, that's how it goes. And it's, <clears throat> it can be difficult sometimes, you know, uh, counselors and, and, and clinicians can struggle with that. It's like, wow, we're, you know, I put all this work into this guy. I thought he was going to make it. Um, boy, too bad. Um, but you got to get up in the morning and help the person in front of you. And, you know, to anybody, not just elevate, but to anybody who's working in the treatment industry, you know, I applaud you because it is not easy to understand that the people in front of you that you're trying to help may not make it, but you're trying to help them anyway, because you're, you're trying, you're giving them a chance. Some will make it. And if we stopped our work and we just said, well, we can't save them all. So why bother trying? Well, I mean, that doesn't make any sense at all. So, um, anybody in the industry, you know, pat on your back for me because I know how hard it is. And, um, another point I wanted to make was that, um, you know, I really don't care if you um, became sober through 12 steps 
um, if you did a Christian program, if you did uh, some other type of program, if you, if you did a non-religious program um, such as Elevate, it, it doesn't matter, right? Like we're friends. Like if you believe that people can get better and that recovery is a good thing and that you're trying to alleviate suffering of people, right? We all need to be on the same page. Like we may have different methods, but that's okay. It, the, the result is the same. Um, you know, society is really good at dividing people uh, politically. You know, they, they'll pick the, the issues. You know, eight, I believe 80% of the people in America can get along with, with everything. Um, but, you know, the media and society will focus on and politics will focus on the 10 or 20% of the things that we have disagreements on. And they really push that button so, to divide the people. Um, my, my hope is that we can all unite more and that regardless of how we were treated, regardless of what program we did, regardless of our methods, regardless of any of that stuff, hey, you struggled with substances and now you're not and your life's better. Great. We should all celebrate that together. So that's my goal as well. Um, just to tell you a little bit about who I am, because this is my first podcast, you don't know who I am. Um, I'll just tell you a little bit about my life and this will be the only time I do that. I don't really like talking about myself that much, but you know, I think that maybe you deserve to know a bit about who I am. So I, I grew up in California in, um, in a town called Gilroy, <clears throat> Gilroy, California was known as the garlic capital of the world. Uh, they have a garlic festival every year. I think they actually don't do it anymore, which is very sad. But um, my whole life growing up in Gilroy, you could smell garlic as they harvested and things like that. It was a cool little town. So it's, it's about, uh, you know, half an hour south of San Jose, California. And as a young child, I, I sort of witnessed the birth of Silicon Valley um, and places that were apple orchards became places that turned into you know, chip factories and things like that. So that was very interesting. And it was a sort of a area of innovation and, um, and kind of excitement and the computer boom was happening, um, in the eighties. I, I was born in 1975. I'm 47 years old right now. So I grew up from, you know, 1975 to now watching this. So that's where I'm from. Uh, I went to, um, you know, high, Gil Gilroy high school, solid junior high and, you know, all that it was in Gilroy. Um, I grew up, luckily I'm very blessed that I grew up on, uh, some rural land. Um, my dad had about my uh, mom and dad had about 50 acres or so, um, combined of property and uh, a big lake in the backyard, which was beautiful. We, you could fish in it. And I have a lot of memories as a kid, um, fishing, canoeing, swimming in the lake, uh, throwing sticks into the lake for my dog to jump into the lake and, and fetch and, and swim back. And it was a really nice childhood. I, I you know, I, I, I'm so blessed to have had that experience. And, and then my friends would love coming over to my house because there was all this land and there's all these things we could do. We could run around and, and just explore and, and, and do that thing that kids need to do. You know, you get dirty and you pick up a stick and you chase each other and you, you, you just do that kind of stuff. Uh, and so, I always had uh, a love of the outdoors. Uh, my mom told me a story that at three years old, uh, they couldn't find me in my bed. <clears throat> I was gone. She woke up at five in the morning or six in the morning or seven, who knows what time, but it was in the morning. She couldn't find me. Three years old, gone, screaming, where are you? Where are you? Right, Daniel, where are you? Silence. So they're panicked. I'm a parent too. I would be freaking out. So they're panicked. 
And then finally my mom looks out and sees me down at the lake and uh, went down to talk to get me and talk to me. Well, I, I decided I wanted to get up and throw rocks in the lake at three years old, you know? So, and this is, if you know, this is, this is a, this is a quarter mile walk or something like that from the, where, where I was to the lake. And, you know, at three years old, I didn't really have fear. I, I enjoyed the outdoors. I, I felt comfortable there. And, uh, and that, yeah, I'm sure that's shaped who I am. I used to ride, uh, an ATC. If you know what that is, it's like an ATV four wheeler, but with three wheels, like a cycle. And at about seven years old, I think, uh, my dad got that and, uh, boy, that changed my life. I would, I would ride that thing every day in the property behind the house and, uh, you know, jump, figure out jumps and explore. And it was just such a cool way to grow up. I had this freedom to be able to go where I wanted to explore things. You know, you'd see deer, you'd see animals, you'd see whatever. And, uh, what a great, what a great way to grow up as a kid. Um, you know, that, that feeling of freedom was amazing. And so anyway, um, I, in elementary school, I was accepted into the GATE program, if you've heard of that, Gifted and Talented Education, GATE. And uh, someone must have seen something in me to think that I was bright. And uh, I went to the GATE program. And I was bused really far away. It took me about, uh, boy, I don't know, an hour and a half to get to school or something like that. Because I had to take the early bus at 6 in the morning, walk out to the end of the driveway and get bus to one school, then have to transfer to another bus, and then that bus would take me to uh, Rucker Elementary School, where I where I went to elementary school, third grade through sixth. And uh, you know that was that was interesting because it was a very uh, you know rural farmland elementary school, but it was the only school that had the gate program. So and it was interesting because half the school was gate and half the school was not gate, right? So just so the local kids from the local area. So we were often, I don't know, picked on for being the smart kids or whatever by the local kids who weren't in gate. And that was a bit of a bummer uh, because I don't know why we couldn't unite more, but it, there definitely was a division there, not, not purposefully, but it just happened. Um, but my experience in, in elementary school was, was great. Uh, it was an awesome uh, schooling experience. It wasn't perfect, but the kids that I was there with, we became really close friends. Uh, our parents would meet just like, you know, just like most parents today, they, they meet their kids' parents and their kids' friends' parents. And I don't know, we just had a bond. It was, it was a great group of kids and we all sort of had potential. We were bright. We wanted to learn and, um, and it, and it was awesome. I, I was not a great student to be perfectly honest. I was like a C student. I just wasn't that interested in school. <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed learning, uh, you know, and I enjoyed what I liked and I didn't enjoy what I didn't like. And, and I d was not disciplined enough to, you know, when, when I didn't want to do that work to, to sit, to buckle down and do it. So, you know, if it was a subject or something I was interested in, I would probably get an A. If it was something that I was not interested in, I, I would do the bare minimum to get a C or something like that. And I would, uh, I would envy the kids that would get straight A's because, they just, I just thought they were smarter than me, but really they just applied themselves and they were disciplined because I could have done it if I wanted to. But that trend continued uh, throughout junior high and high school, kind of remained that sort of BC student. Um, what I found that was interesting as I looked back on my life was that I did the best in classes where the teacher was engaged the most, was the most passionate. 
And, you know, it didn't matter if I hated a subject. If the teacher really liked it, then I really liked it and I was interested in it. So I don't think that's unusual. I think that most kids, if a teacher is very engaging, then they're going to engage their students. And, you know, I think one of the worst things out there is these teachers that don't want to be there. They're punching their clock. They have tenure. They're just riding it out. And these kids are just in a class where they're bored to tears and they're given assignments like a robot. Um, that's awful. And I remember most of my teachers being like that, unfortunately. Um, well, I, I would say maybe half. I would say maybe half, but definitely the ones stand out that I remember that were engaging, passionate. You know, they kind of went into it like, I'm going to educate these kids. I'm going to inspire them. You know, I'm going to do my best. And I felt that, you know, I think teaching is a lot about energy. Can you, can you harness energy and, and give that to the kids? And then when you get them energized like you are, you can teach them whatever you want to teach them because they want to learn and people aren't stupid. And I'm lucky that back then they didn't prescribe, uh, you know, Adderall and, and stuff like that or label kids ADHD if they screwed off in class because I definitely did that a lot. I, I, was, a, I was a clown and I wasn't interested. So uh, I, I'm a Gen Xer, you know, that, that definitely I grew up without a cell phone, without the internet. Um, really grateful for that because I, I see, you know, younger people, younger generations are much more connected to technology, which is good in some ways, but it's not good in some ways. Uh, I think that can be an overwhelming thing as well. Uh, so yeah, I remember, look, you know, the Nintendo entertainment system came out when I was in elementary school and that was all the rage, right? Super Mario brothers and all this stuff. The eighties music, you know, was amazing. Um, so that's my jam, you know, the nineties came out when I was in high school. So, you know, Nirvana and all that kind of stuff. I played sports in high school. I played football. I did wrestling. I did track. Uh, I was not a great athlete. I was sort of like my uh, academics. I was average. Uh, I tried hard. I worked hard. I, would, I did good sometimes, uh, but I didn't excel. I didn't play college sports or anything like that. I just kind of did okay uh, academically and throughout school. I enjoyed the social setting of school. I enjoyed friends. I enjoyed you know meeting new people and things like that. And uh, that was a good experience. Uh, I wasn't a perfect experience, but you know, I would say, uh, overall my, my high school was what it was because it was what I made, made it. Um, so I, I didn't go to a college out of high school. I, I went to junior college, so I didn't even apply to any colleges. I didn't even realize the process and, uh, I just went to junior college and did that for a while. So, you know, and that was in Santa Cruz and I made my move to Santa Cruz when I was 18 years old and uh, lived the, the rest of my life there until about age 45 when I moved to Tennessee, where I am now. Uh, and that kind of that kind of brings you up to uh, speed on, on who I am, and I may, may make some Gen X references and stuff like that, and I hope there may be some other Gen Xers out there, because I, I feel like we're a, we're a cool generation, like we really are. I, I, I really resonate with that group of people. I think we, we see the world a certain way. We're kind of between you know, our, our parents, uh, and that whole, uh, that their, their life pre sort of pre-internet, pre-cell phones, we sort of saw the, um, cell phones and internet come into play and watch the life change. So we were sort of on the cusp of that. And I think it's a really interesting generation. I think we remember what it's like, you know, those principles of hard work and, and things like that. 
uh, at, whereas the newer generations seem like no work smarter and, uh, you know, you can be a, you know, whatever, an Instagram influencer and make a million dollars when you're 17 and that whole thing, which I think is a, is a real weird way to look at life. Uh, but to more power to people that are successful doing that, uh, there's a lot of things they do that are, I don't understand and are light years beyond me. But uh, I, I do feel that sometimes technology can uh, is is trying to replace something that's real and organic and authentic about life, and I kind of feel like Gen Gen X sort of is it has sort of a, a foot in both both eras, you know, for lack of a better word. Anyway, um, I'm not going to talk too long. Uh, these are going to be short podcasts of ten to 15 to 20 minutes. I don't even know how long I've been talking now. I'm not going to have a goal of how long it's going to be. I'm just going to talk until I'm done. But, um, you know, I'm going to talk about addiction treatment. I'm going to talk about my book. I'm going to talk about things that I believe people need to hear. And my message, I believe is pretty different from what's out there. At least I hope it's different. I hope it resonates with you. Um, I'm not really worried about numbers of followers or subscribers or anything like that. I'm, I'm really just focusing on impact. And what I mean by that is I, I'd rather have 20 people who really resonate with my message and are engaged and enjoying it than thousands who just subscribe. Uh, that's not, um, you know, I'm not a, not a numbers guy. I, I don't have much ego. I don't, I'm not, I don't care how big this grows or whatever. I just want to touch people really, um, and engage with them is, is what I'm trying to do. Um, one last thing about it is, uh, I'm not in a professional studio by any means. In fact, I, I live out in rural Tennessee right now, about an hour outside of Nashville. So um, I was going to record this on my desk where I do my work. Uh, I work from home, but the the road noise was too much. So I don't want to, you know, my poor editor, sound editor, to have to edit every car that drives by. So I said, okay, I'll walk down. Uh, away uh, from the road and I'll go down to, I have this little pond house. I have a pond, sort of like when I grew up, I had a pond and and I have this little pond here in Tennessee and I have this little pond house. You know, I'm, I'm blessed to have this, this little pond house and I'm sitting in it right now and it's probably echoing and it's probably a horrible environment <laughs> for this, this, but I'm looking out at a pond right now. I'm looking out at nature and trees and I see hawks flying in the air and it's cool. And you may hear a loud motorcycle drive by down on the road because you can still hear the road. You may hear some cawing of nature. You may hear the wind. You may hear my next door neighbor shooting his gun, which he likes to do a lot. And, you know, and boom. I, you know, if look, if you live in rural Tennessee and you're, you know, you don't like the fact that people shoot guns, you shouldn't live here because that is how it is. That is the culture. I do not mind it. I, I enjoy shooting myself sometimes. Uh, I'm not going to try to change anybody here. This is the environment. So I'm hopeful. We will try to edit what we can if it's distracting. But, you know, I'm really just not going to be all that concerned. I'm hoping people will just look past some of that stuff. If you hear a bird or you hear, you know, out of gunshot or you hear, you hear something, you know, big deal. It, it is what it is. I just want to record this thing, get the word out, get the message out uh, in, a, in an environment that I'm not distracted and, um, and reach you guys. So anyway, this is the first episode. I hope, you know, I hope you just found a little bit of, you know, value of who, who I am, this guy who's going to be talking in these future episodes, which I hope you listen to, uh, here's who he is. You can, you know, look into me or whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm nothing, nothing necessarily special, but, um, I'm trying to do something that I feel could be impactful. 
And if you want to reach out to me, uh, by the time this airs, I will have my website up. Uh, and that would be dan at danmanson.com. So I will have a website up and you can reach out to me and you can engage with me. I'll have a YouTube channel up too. I'll be honest. I'm a very disorganized person. Uh, I don't, the idea of having to post on social media and respond to people on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and comments and bald, you know, oh my goodness. That's just like the thought of that is overwhelming to me and just, you know, awful. I'm an email guy. I guess it's probably just because of, you know, how I grew up. Uh, I will probably, if there is a lot of messaging and things, I'll probably have someone help me with that. Um, but, uh, if you send me an email, you know, and, and just say, Hey, I listen to your podcast, you know, here's what I think or whatever. Uh, great. Yeah, I will interact with you. Um, as long as you're positive and you're not trying to hate on me. Um, if you try to hate, hate on me, I'll, I'll, I'll probably just ignore you. Um, but anyway, I, that's, that's how, that's who I am. That's what I, you know, what I'm about. I'm not perfect. Um, give me some grace. If you don't hear back from me, I, I could have a lot going on, but, uh, I truly intend to connect with people. So, uh, if you do reach out, I, I plan to reach out back. Uh, that is my goal. And, um, and if we talk about something like, Hey, you know, my, my sister has an addiction problem and stuff like that. I, I may, I may just say, Hey, listen, I'm going to refer you to somebody who is better at this than I am because I have staff who do this day in and day out, have talked to thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people have helped thousands of people get treatment and are better at it than I am. I am not, I will say, you know, very clearly, I am not an expert, um, on the day to day hey, this guy needs help right now. Here's what we need to do. Here's the steps we need to take. Like that, I'm, I'm out of the game. Like that, I wasn't, you know, I never really was on that line. I would help people when they were in front of me, but um, I'm out of the game personally. I'm an administrator. I'm sort of a visionary for the company and I want to, um, I look at things in terms of well, what can we do for people generally overall, big picture type stuff. So um, anyway, that's, that's who I am. That's what I'm trying to do here. I will cut it off because I don't want to ramble, which I probably already am. And I'm going to uh, cut my next thing, my next episode, which will go into more content about uh, addiction treatment. Thank you.